okay. I want to pray with you right now for the eyes of your heart to be illuminated. That's one of the most important prayers that we can have because God wants to give us an upgrade in our minds and in our hearts regarding our destinies and our vision today. So, Father, I ask that you would open the eyes of our heart, illuminate us, and give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we would know you better, we would know who we are, we would know who you are, and we would know what you've called us to in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay. Before you were born again, you had an Adamic mind that was perverted and twisted. You did not have the mind of Christ. You had a darkened, deceived twisted and perverted mind. How many of you understand that? Your thoughts were not God's thoughts. Your mind was not the mind of Christ. So when Jesus Christ steps inside of you and you become born again, you begin the process of beginning a renewed mind. And so in Romans 12, 1, it says this. It's a great verse. It says, uh, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, By the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Okay, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. And that word is the same word as uh, metamorphosis. Be like a caterpillar to a butterfly. Be completely transformed by the renewing of your mind that you Uh, that you may test and may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So the minute you became born again, the Lord has been systematically upgrading your mind so that it syncs with the mind of Christ. And there is so many verses about this. And your mind uh, has the ability to be rewired so that you don't think like a first Adam man or woman, you think like Jesus Christ. You have his thoughts, his heart, his mind. And so today, we are going to go for an upgrade in the way we think, the way we perceive ourselves, the way we view our calling and our destiny. And when someone's mind gets changed, that's called repentance. You know, repentance isn't just, I feel really bad about sinning, and gosh, i got to flail myself. Repentance is a change, an about-face, a complete upgrade in the way we view reality. So you have been given a new set of glasses. You know, before Jesus, you had an old distorted lens, twisted, distorted, cloudy, and every time you looked at reality, it was through the lens of that muddy, distorted lens. When you get a new set of eyes, suddenly you see from heaven to earth. Now the process of this is called revelation. It's revelation on your human spirit. So now the way you view reality is completely different and you see life from heaven to earth, not from earth to heaven. That is a critical statement. Now I'm going to give you a story very quickly of the Apostle Paul. He started out, his name was Saul. And in his mind, He was doing God a favor by shutting down this expanding Christian faith to the point that he was killing Christians. And he thought it was his assignment from God to stop this cult from taking over. 
So, you know, there he's going in his righteous, self-righteous, self-appointed assignment to wipe out the body of Christ. Suddenly on the road to Damascus, in order to persecute more Christians, the Lord visits him, and he says some very staggering things. It hurts when you kick against the goads. You're persecuting me by persecuting my body. And he has this flashlight. He sees the Lord. But guess what? He does not get his prophetic assignment. The Lord was right there. He could have told him what his assignment was, but he doesn't. He waits. He takes him to a, this, uh, Damascus, and this guy named Ananias speaks to him over his assignment, and it, his call was preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Take this good news of Jesus Christ to the world. So Paul receives this assignment, gets the baptism of the Holy Spirit, scales fall from his eyes. Isn't that interesting? He gets a new set of eyes. He gets a new set of eyes, and suddenly now he goes from being a persecutor of the church to being the greatest champion of the church, and he sees his assignment completely clear, uh, uh, clearly. And uh, he later, when he's talking to the king in Rome, he says, this is a great statement, he says, I have been faithful to the heavenly vision that you gave me, that God gave me. He was given a heavenly vision through human agency, through a prophet named Ananias. Ananias. This, this, this uh, heavenly assignment got onto him and it completely changed the trajectory of his life. He was no longer the same on any level. That heavenly vision was all-consuming. It changed the way he viewed his money, his time, his energy, and his relationships. Everything changed when he got the heavenly vision. Everything changed. He didn't just add the vision to his, all, his, his pre-existing script. You know, Paul said, I have this script. i got to be a Pharisee, you know. i got to stay married, and i got to preach in the synagogue. And, oh, okay, I guess I'll, I'll grab a Gentile now and then and, and see if they'll be interested. He didn't do that whatsoever. He suddenly became totally Jesus Christ's son and and servant, and he now said, I don't belong to me anymore. I am completely at the disposal of my king, Jesus Christ. And everywhere I go, everything I do, every dollar I spend, every person I know belongs to Jesus Christ. He did, you know, his assignment wasn't an add-on. You know, when it became convenient. You know, he was completely, 100% the Lord's. When he saw the Lord, when he heard the voice of God through the agency of others, he absorbed a new mandate. Now here's what's crazy. The mandate that got on Paul, and his name was changed to, to Saul from to, to Paul, because God does change us so much that sometimes he gives us new names. He was so upgraded and how he was known in heaven, that the very call that got on Paul got on everybody around Paul. His assignment became their assignment to the point that, I mean, literally hundreds of thousands of people got under the same mandate to take the gospel to the Gentiles as he did. And, I mean, I could name you. I've got the names written in my notes. And 
uh, but I won't go over them, hundreds of people in the, in the New Testament, they picked up the same mandate to go plant churches, to go start you know, a tribe, and go from city to city and expand the kingdom. Every one of those churches picked up Paul's assignment. So the assignment on Paul got on them. He, he was the apostolic point of release. He was the conduit of the human agency where God dropped down and picked this guy, and then the people that, God al- that aligned with him picked up the same level of favor and anointing and vision and supernatural grace that was on Paul got on them. And that's, that's how divine order works. So, guess what? We are still, in one sense, on P- Apostle Paul's apostolic team. How's that for crazy? There's been a continuity of destiny and purpose through the generations. The same edict that was on him is on us. So when God comes along and he picks somebody and he starts to preach and he starts to declare prophetic words over them, that assignment that assignment is very, very big, and you pay attention to it because it's not just their, their humanity that's important. It's the calling of God on that person and the assignment of God on that person that we pay attention to, 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 uh, to as well. Today we're going to talk about the call of God on us. This is important because we've received prophetic promises for well over 25 years. I have personally, Janet has, our family and others, and then it's bled into Mono and Lori and many of you, and we're, we're absorbing a prophetic story that, is, that has captured us in a very, very deep way, and we believe that, that the same way that that anointing spills off of Paul and spills off of us, it will spill into your life and readjust and realign how you view yourself and how you view our assignment together. This is a very big thing. So here's an amazing verse in, in, in Jeremiah. It, Jeremiah 33.3. It goes like this. Look it up if you want. Jeremiah 33.3. And you can write this down and memorize it. It says, God says this. Call to me, and I will answer you, and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Okay, now there's a condition. Call on me. I've got all this grace stored up in heaven in the unseen realm, but you access that grace by faith. My job is to pour out grace and vision. Your job is to access that grace by faith. So call on me. And that's not just a little, you know, squeaky thought, you know, gee, I'd like to kind of get around to knowing what you might think of for my, uh, my life. No, no, no. That's a militant, almost violent, desperate call to God. Don't let me miss the preordained purposes you have for my life. What am I called to do? And you cry out. And God says, when you cry out like that, I will tell you great and hidden things that you've not known. Now, I'm gonna, here's a couple other verses. It goes... Um, but it is written in, in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, For it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. Now listen, beloved, you can't even imagine. 
Like you, could, you couldn't dream hard enough to come up with the vast goodness of what God wants to do through, through your life. That's what the Bible's tell, telling you. Because there's still humanity attached to your, to your mind. You've still got mixture in your head. So you can be on your greatest day, wide open to the goodness of God. You still wouldn't get it. The scope of what God has for you is so big and amazing that it's going to take the corporeity of people in prayer and fasting to get the, the intense purpose that God has for you. Now, do you know that there are works foreordained for you? It says you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay, so you're a child of God, and God has destined you for good works. And you are going to be, and that's, this is not to scare you, this is to awaken you. You, you. If you live beneath yourself, that will be a disappointing day at the judgment seat when God wants to reward you for all that he's called and destined you to do. And you're going to find out I lived and fell short of my destiny because I, I succumbed to little thinking. I got a religious script. I had my own story. And I thought my story was better than your story. So I just kind of just went along with my story and added little pieces of your story to my already pre-written story. And God goes, big mistake. Very big mistake. Because I have an eternal purpose for you that's going to bleed into generation after generation after generation. Furthermore, I fully intend to reward you now and in the age to come for every yes in your heart. God doesn't reward you for being. God rewards you for doing. You tracking with me? Being a son of God is one thing. Somebody says, well, we're all human beings. That's right. It's true. Our identity is what we are. But God has destined you for good works, and you will be rewarded for those good works. And I'm going to send you the notes to validate that, that at the judgment seat, God... God rewards you for the good things that you've done because you came into unity with his destiny over your life. All right, so for me, I got visited by the Lord. Not, not in the exact same way as Paul, but fairly close. He did localize at the end of my bed. He did, he's been on a journey with me telling me my assignment. And I, he, every time I... I, del- I dummied down that, that calling and that destiny. God rebukes me. He goes, that's not humility. That's called wicked unbelief. When I tell you you are someone and I tell you you're called to do this, it's my word that matters, not your cute little toying with my, my revelation because you have some insecurity and false humility in your life. If I'm going to call you to something important, you believe it, and you match your faith with my grace, and that will unleash the destiny I have for you. So when I was a young man, God began speaking to me about tribes, about starting a family of churches that would be a catalyst for revival, for the restoring of the church to family, and for the transforming of cities. And I began getting these words before so many of the documents have been written today on that topic. Now, obviously, lots of documents have been written on revival and were coming out in the 70s and 80s. That was a main theme in Scripture. The presence of God 
hitting people in a white-hot way. The same you heard Laura describe. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, the supernatural, walking in a white-hot love for Jesus, hearing the voice of God, the releasing of the prophetic, all that came in a third wave in the 70s and 80s, in the charismatic movement and the third wave movement. So what we have been positioned to do is be catalysts for revival, the manifest presence of God. But God came and said, I want more than that. I don't just want revival. I want that revival put in the right wineskin of connected hearts because I'm a God of relationships. And my people are broken relationally. They're broken in their marriages and their families. They're broken developmentally. And unless you build a healthy spiritual family, people will not develop because I might visit them in revival, but the assignment of man is to raise people in the kingdom. God's not going to raise your kids with angels. You're going to raise your kids. That's our assignment, is to raise people well and make disciples. So God goes, Tim, I want to call you to raise up a family that will help people get well. And then he said, and furthermore, this tribe, this family of churches, will, will be so skilled in following me, so aware of my ways, their mind will reveal what I'm like because it will bleed into the decisions that may, they make. And they will have kingdom businesses. They will have kingdom art, kingdom media. And these people will actually change culture in cities. Cities. Cities will be changed at a core level because of the life of these people. They will reveal what heaven's like because they have heaven set up inside of them and set up between them. So, 11 years ago, Janet and I, or 10 years ago, we drive through Laramie. We literally don't think twice about Laramie. We just drive through, but I, I took note of Laramie, but we're on our way on 80 to go to the Tetons. We end up running into Andrew and Jess, and we have this Holy Ghost-anointed divine appointment at Jackson Lake at the base of the Tetons. And I begin inquiring of, of Andrew, what's going on here? And Andrew tells me the story of Shram and says that they're kind of meandering about the planet right now in terms of church. And I said, man, let's talk more about this. So we came back through Laramie and started meeting you guys. When I came back through Laramie, as I was coming into the entrance of Laramie, the Lord spoke very clearly. He said, Laramie is going to be a city set on a hill, and I'm going to kingdomize this city. I'm going to, I'm going to cause Laramie to love me and to obey me and come underneath my government. So I got a divine word from the Lord. So when I met with the people, I met at Shram in the conference center there, which doesn't exist anymore, and I pulled out. First thing I did was I began casting vision on city reaching, and I showed him the transformation video that the possibility of changing culture. And I began speaking about the jurisdictions of the kingdom and how we can bring the kingdom. And since that time, literally, this is not even a drip in the bucket, but Josh, just, just pull those out and just show people. These are just a couple of the books that have been written since then on city reaching, taking our cities for God, you know, um, transformed, 10 principles on how to transform your city. Revival, it can transform your city by Peter Wagner, who's with Jesus. The Church of the Irresistible Influence, Floyd McClung, seeing the city with the eyes of God. 
committed to conquer, about an eye-opening revolution of city reaching. City reaching by Jack Dennison. I mean, when God visited me, I thought I was a little bit on the nutcase side. It was so grandiose, so big, that I thought I was missing it. And then all of a sudden, I realized the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that's touching me, is touching thousands of people, and they're getting the same kind of words for their city. So it now, now it's a little easier to grab because we're not just in isolation. This is what God's saying. So we're going to review a couple of the prophetic words of over the Rock Tribe, over Rock Laramie, and why we are in this room today, why we've acquired this property, why we're going where we're going. And here's the intent. It's for your mind to get an upgrade because right now the script that's in your brain is way beneath the script that God has for you. I'm just telling you. That's not a pro- I'm not prophesying negativity. I'm just saying I know for a fact in my own mind, I'm still wrestling with my pockets of unbelief. But I can't. I, I want to call us all up to a story that's so profound that it will grip your imagination, your time, your money, your affections, and your energy. So the goal is getting an upgrade of prophetic word that will capture your heart and that will invite you into a, an epic story that makes history. And changes lives in a profound way. How many of you think that's a good agenda? Okay. So, um, so that's the opening thought. <laughs> that's, the opening, that's the opening thought. All right? Now, we're going to just lay out a couple of words. And I don't know, Josh, were you able to print out those prophecies? Oh, I'm going to let you. <laughs> I'm going to let Josh. One of the things about Josh that I think that Josh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just feeling the Lord up here. All right, so listen to this. You see, God has to build according to the pattern of the Trinity. And he gives the Father the picture and I see things that people don't see. Like, I saw those beams. I see things. I saw, you know, it drives Janet crazy because I see things that, that aren't as though they are. And my poor little practical wife has to live with me because I'm walking around seeing things that don't exist. And, and it's, it's really a painful life. It's a very hard life because, to me, it's real. And because I... I live, to some degree, in the heavenly realm, so I get these heavenly visions. And when I, I, we prayed, we prayed about a place, and we prayed about bathrooms, and I said, I insist these bathrooms be good and wonderful. Why? Because I see the vision of hundreds and thousands of people getting touched. Well, anyway, I come through town, and my father's heart is pumping, and I, I see Josh, and Josh sees me by the Spirit. And there's a spirit of honor. And so when you honor somebody, he saw me by the Spirit, and he pulled the anointing straight out of me because he saw me by the Spirit. 
I wasn't just a man, I was an apostolic father to Josh. And I have rarely had anybody treat me like that. Because just Tim can't help Josh. Not, not really. I can be nice and fun, and I can be a lot of fun to fish with and hunt with. And, but I'm, the best thing I can give Josh is Apostle Tim. That's where the anointing is. The anointing is in the vision. The anointing is in the power. The anointing is in the, is in the revival, restoration, transformation. And Josh saw me by the Spirit, and a divine connection took place. I've never been honored like that before in my life, ever. It's not like I needed it. You, know, you get in my, it like it wasn't like what I, but man, it feels good when you're known by the Spirit because then the anointing falls out of you. And then Josh, you know what he does? He takes off his best jacket and his hat and he says, I put my, you're, you're my covering. He takes off his coat and he throws it over me and he goes, you're my covering in the Lord. I mean, he didn't sit around and vet me for five or ten years, which most people do, like sniff around and kick the tires and go like, and you know, like, yeah, like, like most people do. Like trust is, trust is something that people go through long and arduous years and years. And, and then even then, sometimes the littlest mistakes will get you disqualified because it hurts their feelings. Or, I mean, it's very painful to be a leader in that sense because you have so much love you want to give and so much resistance. And Josh, he just knew me by the Spirit and he didn't, Make me jump through all these hoops. And it's not like that's wrong, okay? I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying his prophetic heart, his childlike heart leapt into my heart. And a divine explosion took place because you know, when God spoke to Mary, he says, I'm going to make a baby inside of you. She had to respond, be it done to me according to your word. If she would have not responded to that prophetic word of the Lord, there, it, God would have found another Mary. Uh, her, her name probably wouldn't have been Jezebel. Probably not. Probably not that. But A divine encounter took place between a father and a son. And now we have the makings of the potential of an apostolic purpose and movement in this neck of the woods i wasn't looking for this this is not the sexiest place on the planet yet thank you so josh it was his prophetic it was his prophetic intuition that caused him to respond to me and that created a, a, a wedding a covenant and that's all we needed was a father and a son to say yes and amen to revival. Yes and amen to the restoring of the church to family. Yes and amen to transforming a culture. And that's why I just love him so much. Because in a very real way, my destiny is wrapped up in a son and daughters. And in a very real way, his destiny is wrapped up in me. So we're stuck together. We have to like submit to each other and walk together, and, and, but we can only do this when we meet in heaven. You see, if we get down into earth, and he says, and she says, and where demons traverse, and in the second heavens, it's hell. If we get into the courtroom of judgment and criticism, or into, you know, there's a couple of evil rooms. But we, if we stay in heaven together, 
we can bring heaven to earth. And we can be a point of release, a conduit for the supernatural. And the only reason we exist in this room is because a divine covenant took place between two men, an older man and a younger man. And now that same thing needs to happen, transaction needs to happen in your spirit. And it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It won't be easy because there's a lot of human factors mixed in, mistakes, mis whatever. But, but the, the overarching banner is thy kingdom come on earth. So Josh is going to review the prophetic words. And I ask you not to toy around with this. These are pearls that cost us our whole life for many years and the basujas for many years. These are not cute for us. These are not like optional. We, our entire lives are in and under the submission to Jesus. We're broken before the Lord. All that matters to us is Jesus and his glory and the kingdom of God coming on the earth. That's all that matters. And everything that we do that's play and fun and recreation is a sidebar. It's a sub-theme to get us a little rest to keep going on to our destiny. So I guess what I'm saying is, unless this hits you by revelation, this is not like a presentation. This is an impartation moment. This isn't a brochure we're trying to get you to buy a vacation that's a nice exotic trip that, oh, you know, this is not, you know, I'm not selling trips that I've never been on. I have been in this like a long time. And I got to walk, drive straight into the inner city and go to a, the projects and go to the first house church that The Rock did in the inner city in the projects last week because of this vision. Oh, oh okay. Here you go. All right. So um, this is fun, huh? It's kind of cool, right? So as we're... Um, to give you a little history. It's fun because you like adventure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you're an extreme sportsman. We love it, right? So to give you a little history, though, um, we, um, Tim, Janet, myself, and Amy, we went to uh, Bethel Church in Reading. And uh, for those of you that don't know what Bethel Church is, um, they're, 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 they're a, a, a church family that is just exploding with revival and relationships, and it's re- resulting in city transformation and impacting the world around them. And so we went there, and um, the Lord moved powerfully. We're going to share a couple stories there, because the, what happened there is, isn't, wasn't just for us. It's for everybody um, in the tribe. In this room, you know, the people who aren't here right now, different church plants. And um, so in that moment, we started just like, it was like the Lord uh, sobered us a bit, unlike who we are and who he's calling us to. And that's why we wanted to take the time and visit this this morning. And so, as Tim said, the, the foundation he gave was just amazing. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm going to go over a few of these words, and then we'll, we'll give a little context here. But keep in mind, you know how you'll read the book of Acts, and it's chapter 1 through 28, right? So you'll read it in the course of a day, two, maybe three, some people a year, um, <laughs> you know? 
But what a lot of people don't realize is for every chapter you read in the book of Acts is about a year of time that passed. So it wasn't like things happened overnight. It was, like, it was this progression of miracles, of God moving, um, of, of God orchestrating circumstances, situations, people, and pouring out a spirit over time, over time, over time, over time. And then over the course of 30 years, you see this radical move of God and this revival that bubbled up and exploded, and we're still building on those 30 years. But it didn't happen in three days. It happened over 30 years. I say that because that context, you need to keep that context to receive that revelation for your heart and to be able to steward that revelation. Does that make sense? So let's, let's pull up some of these words that, so when we were at Bethel Church, um, I want to just, these are, now these are not all of these words that the Lord spoke to us, but these are, these are just some of the main ones. And what we did is uh, we got the core leadership together for Rock Laramie and we just, hey guys, what are the words over us? And we just, we grabbed the whiteboard and we just <laughs> made a list. So this is the list of those core words, okay? Um, first one. You're called to change the expression of Christianity in this generation. All right, just pause there. Okay, that statement alone is a little um, terrifying and, and, and sobering. Um, and it's like, that's, that's, if you really take that hard, you're like, I don't know if I want that job description. And uh, it's, it, it feels impossible. But we'll talk about the impossibility that God has called it. But that's huge. Bickle as well, one of my dear friends, and it's the basis of IHOP. So the umbrella prophetic word over Mike Bickle and myself are the same words. God is changing the understanding and expression of Christianity in this generation. And look at the fruit of IHOP. Because it's under, they've embraced that word. So that's yours. Should you receive it, Mary? Yep. Now, Okay, so let's, we'll just go through these because there's about 18 of them. Number two, you are called to be a revival hub that transforms cities. Okay, this word right here, now that, that is a paraphrase, but um, Tom Jones, how many remember Tom Jones at Tribal? He prophesied that word over us that you, you, I, you're going to be a revival hub. Um, but when we were at Bethel, uh, to make a long story short, we were, we were sitting there listening to some... Uh, uh, this teaching by a, a young lady named Havila, and uh, she does this. She just gives this incredible word, and then all of a sudden she goes into this time of prophecy, and there, there's a whole bunch of people there, and she she's sharing. She's like, she she just starts sharing. She's like, okay, right now I'm seeing a people. You got a a a church property. It's about 40 years old. Okay, this this place I think was built in 1977, so we're at 40 years, and right now you're pulling out carpet. Well, what she didn't know. We, that was Wednesday night. That Sunday, remember Easter Sunday? We literally were pulling out carpet, right? We've been renovating this place. She's like, I see this building. It's got property. It's got all these things. And the Lord wants you to know it's called to be a revival hub. And we're standing there like, uh, okay. okay well, let, well, well, note to self, like God's talking. So then afterwards, Amy and I, we, we went and talked to her. And we're like, okay, what exactly did you see? And, and it was pretty much exactly, she described this, you know, and, and, and again, she's like, the Lord wants, you know, you're, you're called to be a revival hub. 
Boom, that's huge, right? Okay, so um, next one. Hundreds and hundreds of churches will be planted. It'll be covenant, not contracts. This is, this is a word from a, a lady named Cindy Jacobs. If you know Cindy Jacobs, her track record is very, very accurate. And, and, and she's, she's traveling the world prophesying to church bodies and to uh, the body of Christ all over. And, and things are, it's crazy, her accuracy. Um, no, another one. The terminally ill will be healed. The blind will see. The deaf will hear. Uh, the lame will walk. All these things. That, that was another one that came from Cindy Jacobs. You, the dead will be raised. Next one. The Lord wants you to know your building is too small. <laughs> okay. So, how many remember Pamela from Tribal, right? So, so that word actually came to Amy, um, uh, gosh, uh, October, you know, and we've only had this place for a few months, and it was just a random word, and she was actually print. oh, man. Yeah, you can feel the spirit right now. Wow. Um, we were just praying. She asked Pamela to pray, and Pamela, she asked her to pray for something totally different. The Lord just started, like, changed the topic and said, I want you to know your building's too small. Okay, we're not about numbers. We're about realms. But you know what? Realms and God, well, people always show up for that because they're touching the authentic. Okay, so let's just keep going. Um, this is Ed Roca. I see revival exploding in a small city between two major cities. This word was given to Tim by a guy named Ed Roca. We all know who Ed is, uh, a, a, a friend from Brazil. Basically, he saw a vision of a small city in between two major cities like L.A. and San Francisco. Yeah, it's out in the middle of nowhere. Well, we all know Laramie's out in the middle of nowhere, right? <laughs> and, it, it's, you know, not many people come here just to hang out in Laramie. Um, but the Lord was clearly highlighting this city. In highlighting us. Okay, next one. Rock Tribe will receive a corporate impartation of revival. This was a word that came from um, uh, Randy, Randy Clark when Tim was with him in Brazil. So are you guys seeing a theme here? Like, these people don't talk to one another. Like, you know, these are di- strangers. Um, but the Lord is saying the same thing over us. Next one. The Lord is blowing on the coals of revival. I want to unpack that a little bit. Um, I'm sure some of you have noticed we've had a lot of increases of people and some, some uh, people transitioning. We were going through a hard time. Like, as leaders, you're like, man, Lord, what, what's wrong with us? You know, that's what you kind of ask, right? Sometimes when you're having a hard time, are we leading well? You know, we're wanting to evaluate well. Lord gave Rob this word. And he's like, no, 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 no. The, here's what the Lord's saying. He's blowing on the coals because he's bringing revival. And as he blows on the coals, some will transition and some will burn brightly and stay. That word has been one of the most important words for us as, as far as leaders go because it's like, oh no, stay focused on the coals. But there's the theme again, okay? Um, so second to last, there will be massive amounts of young people. I'll tell that story in a little bit, okay? But we keep getting a common word. There's going to be a movement of young people, a movement of young people, yeah, Cindy Jacobs said that as well. Thank you, Janet. Um, the audio is on the website if you want to hear it. Uh, Cindy Jacobs. I'm calling you to be a house of prayer, not a house with prayer. Okay, that was the word that Mono brought. But we keep getting this word about I'm building a house of prayer across Rock Tribe. To me, oh, pardon? 
to me, it's so interesting that when we got that word, that's when Ryan and Bobby, they, the Lord brought them here, and they, they're, they're the ones raising up locally here in Laramie, helping cultivate that heart and that, that, that how, how do we not only become a house of prayer with our lifestyle, but when we really seek the Lord in, in worship, in prayer, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's, it's huge, but that's another theme. Okay, keep, we're going to keep going. We're to be a family within the body of Christ, the, I, the understanding of family. We all know that is, that is our foundation, missional kingdom families, small spiritual families. Now, how many, raise your hand if you've noticed an increase across the body of Christ where they talk the verb, the, or the, the words family. How many have noticed that? Raise your hand, right? Okay, remember you're changing the expression of Christianity on this earth. He's doing that. But 20 years ago, they weren't talking family like uh, Papa Tim was. The body of Christ wasn't. The Lord is migrating the body of Christ's family, but we're called to be one of the leaders in that. Okay? Radical grace. We're going to be a people of grace. Learning grace. That's a, that's a word we get a lot. Um, next, we're going to raise up people who live out of their identities in Christ. That's why sonship is such a big thing. That's a word we keep getting a lot. You raise up sons. You raise up sons. People are founded in their identities in Christ. It's not programs. It's relationships. It's people. It's who they are in Jesus. Um, Heidi Baker gave us this word. You're the little boy with the lunchbox. In other words, we're the ones where we, this is what we got. Lord, we're going to give it to you, and you're going to multiply it. Everybody knows who Heidi Baker is, right? Yeah. Okay. Here's another one that's been happening. There's an increase of angels and angelic activity I'm giving you to take the city. There are welcoming angels, worshiping angels, hospitality angels, and love angels. Now, what's crazy is this word that came forth um, we've, been, we've been getting a lot of these words about an increase of angelic activity. Maverick Bartlett um, came on an FOP one night, and he gave this word, and it was very profound. But then while we were at Bethel, and we'll tell this story here, it, that was the theme. We were always getting, the, you're, you're called to be a revival hub. You're called to be an apostolic people, and there's an increase of angelic activity. And, and we'll tell you a story on that. But that's just something that the Lord's doing here. Um, okay, next. God's manifest presence would be so thick that we'd have instant access to his throne room. His presence would attract people off the interstate. So here it is again. Um, I can't, I, I didn't write who, where that one come from because I couldn't quite remember. Is that Mono? Thank you, Mono. You're awesome. <laughs> um, but, but that is a theme we keep getting. There's going to be an increase of manifest presence of God. So, does this, when you hear these things, are you like, wow? Raise your hand if you're like, okay, God, I'll, you hear it, you're like, okay. Wow, God, th this is a big deal. It's a big deal. Um, what time is it, real quick? Just because we, five till 12. Okay. So, I want to, because we want to be respectful of time. So, here are these words. Now, Tim mentioned the response of Mary. So Luke chapter 1, Gabriel shows up, says, Mary, this is what I'm going to do. This is what God's going to do with you, okay? We all know the story. Mary um, was, she's a virgin, but yet she carried Jesus, right? Everybody understand that? Okay. Now, Mary's assignment was to carry the Savior of the world, and bring him, birth him 
on this earth, right? That, that was her assignment. What's the difference between you and Mary? Nothing. Mary carried Jesus in body form, but you carry Jesus in spirit form. There's an impregnation, this is the role of the Holy Spirit, of Him on the inside of you, and God wants to grow His Spirit in you so much that there's a birthing of a Jesus movement on this earth today. That's the call of God on your life. And you can't do that in isolation. You have to do it in family. And so, so it's interesting. Mary gets this word, this word over her life, and Gabriel says something. He says this. We all know this verse. She says, how is this going to happen, God? And God says, nothing is impossible with God. Well, when you, right? Everybody, everybody, how many have heard that verse, right? So when you translate that word, it says that word, no, no thing. That word, the word thing actually is the Greek word rhema. No rhema is without impossibility through God. So in other words, the spoken word of God, with his spoken word, will come his covenant and covenant to make it happen. As long as there is a willing vessel that says, okay, Lord, let it be unto me as you have said. The moment she said that, she put her life in alignment to cooperate with what God was doing in that moment and at that time. And she, she used the word bond slave. Let it be unto your bond slave. In other words, I, it, I, don't, I am so yoked to you. My life is for one purpose, and that's serving you. The moment she said that is the moment the Lord was able to trust her with his rhema word in that moment. And that was the birthing of the Messiah Make sense? And so I, I share that because as I've been meditating on this, I'm like, wow, Lord, you're, you're trusting us. You're trusting us. And I, and, and I want to be a Mary where I steward Christ in me so well. My wife is pregnant right now. How often in a day do you know you're pregnant, love? All the time. <laughs> Every minute. <laughs> every minute, every hour, every breath. <laughs> Is it easy? No. Right? You know, but when you, when you know you're pregnant, it, 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 there is a takeover. But the takeover has to happen because there, unless, unless there's a takeover, there won't be a birthing. So, here's what happens. We get caught between the now and not yet. Okay? The Lord's saying, hey, I, I, I've impregnated you with my spirit. I want to give you all that I have. Heaven on earth. I want to give you all of heaven. All access to the Father. All the benefits of the kingdom of God. Heaven on earth. I want to give that to you. Right? That's what the Lord's saying. But until we have the response of Mary, let it be unto your bond slave as you have said, 
what we'll do is we'll fight and we'll resist the takeover because we're trying to protect our lives rather than make our lives his agenda and purpose. Am I making sense? There's not one person in this room, if you're human, where you know you have an area of life where you might be in a little bit of resistance to the Lord, right? That's just part of being human. That's what, it, that's what happens when we live in a fallen world. But the Lord is, is, what the Lord is wanting to continue to, he's building up sons of God, daughters of God that he can entrust with what's most precious to him. Making sense? And so with these words, it's very exciting. It's so cool. We have to start seeing ourselves as God has seen us and upgrading ourselves like Mary did in the, in the suddenly of God in this conversation. Be like, wow, Lord, you are really birthing something. Now let it be unto me as you have said. I want to steward your spirit well, and I want to steward your word, your rhema word, your now word well. So, I'm going to share this one story because it'll build your faith. This is how cool God is. Um, let's go to this last picture. Um, so when we are at Bethel, um, <laughs> uh, this, is, this is how neat God is. Like, he, guys, he's so cool. God's cool. Like, way cool. Way cooler than you think. More fun than you know and more powerful than you currently understand. So, yeah, yeah, that's Jesus on there. And uh, um, it does look like Jesus. <laughs> he's about, never mind. Um, <laughs> he's looking in the mirror saying, this Nazarite thing isn't working too hot. <laughs> Need to get the razor out. Um, no, so we were at Bethel, and... Um, uh, it was like the Lord was having a personal conversation with us about taking these words seriously, and, and I've called you to be a revival hub. I'm awakening this in, in us, right? I mean, it's, it, was, it was a great awakening. And um, the last um, day we were there, we stayed through Sunday. We wanted to go to the service just to see what it was like. Um, and so we, <laughs> we, we go to the first service. It was amazing, and then at the end... Um, Amy, myself, Tim and Jen, we all, we all went up for prayer again. We were like, man, let's just keep drinking from the fire hydrant. I love my wife. She is shameless. Like, let's go. Let's go. Get prayer again. Go get prayer again. I love it. She's, she's shameless. I want to drink. And um, so we're, we go and get prayer. And um, so they're pr- we get prayer. And this, this gentleman, he, he had a kind of a flat word. You know, it, was kind of, it wasn't like there was nothing sexy about it. Like, it was just a kind of flat word, but he was like, I see, ain't, or I see feathers falling on you, off you, and around you. And the Lord wants you to know it's going to be light as a feather. And, and we were kind of like, oh, cool. Yay, that was, that was neat. Thank you, Lord. Um, so that was the word. And then at the same time, Tim, Tim and Janet are getting prayer. And uh, the Lord started, uh, I'm not sure exactly the prophecy, but it was about an increase of angels and le- leading or basically a revival hub and the apostolic movement f- flowing forth. Right? Yep. Did I get it right? Okay. So here we are. We're getting prayer at the same time. The Lord is talking to both of us pretty much the same thing. And so we're standing there, and uh, they're getting ready for the next service, so they're kicking everybody out. And, and so I'm standing there, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, this feather literally just pops right here. And I'm like, oh, you know, I, it kind of catches my upper peripheral. And, 
I step back and I put my hand in it. It just perfectly like floats right in my hands. And I'm standing there just like, you know, like, okay, this is, this is crazy. This feather just fell. And at first I'm like, where are the birds? You know, I'm looking up in the rafters. I, I'm honestly, I'm like, why are the birds? Like, what's going on? And then I, I realized, man, there's no birds in here. They have this place tight. Like, it's well kept. And then I'm like, okay, I'm from Laramie. You know, I'm, who's got the down coat? Like, <laughs> looking around. Looking around. It's, <laughs> yeah, somebody's got a hole. Get some duct tape out. <laughs> duct tape out, you know? <laughs> and uh, we're, you know, 75 degrees red in California. There's no down coats out right now. It's shorts and T-shirt. So, and I realized, like, oh, my gosh. I just got a word saying there's feathers falling on us, off us, and around us. And it's going to be as light as a feather. And I realized in that moment, like, this is a sign. This is what the Bible describes as a sign. It's, it's a miracle. And the Lord, I don't understand it all, but I, I don't need to understand it. The Lord literally let a feather of an angel, archangel, I don't know what it was, like, Psalm 91 says he covers us with his feathers. So have you ever noticed the Ark of the Tabernacle? There's those archangels covering it with their wings. You're seated with him in heavenly realms. You're under his covering because you're seated with him now. Like, I don't quite understand that. But all I know is the Lord gave a feather there. And this happens all the time at Bethel. So this is where it's gr- it got crazy. So I'm just, I begin to weep because I realized, wow, Lord, you just revealed a whole new realm to us. It wasn't just me. It was us. And um, I'm holding this feather, and we go back and get in line, and um, I'm going to hurry. Um, there's this little boy standing there. He's about four or five years old, and his name was, um, he was mesmerized with the feathers because he, he knew what it was. He's like, oh, that's, he's like, that's an angel feather. So he wanted to see it. So I handed it to him. He wanted to look at it, but this is the first time it's happened to me, so I wanted to keep it. I'm like, you're not going to have this kid. <laughs> this is mine, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm going to remember this one. And because uh, he, uh, I, I, anyway, so um, he's, I let him look at it, and then I was holding it, and, and I asked him, so what's your name, bud? And he goes, my name's Joshua. I'm like, oh, my name's Joshua. At that very moment, um, uh, when I said that, I did forget that. When I said that, I realized, that, well, the Lord spoke to me. He's like, would you sow this first miracle, this first sign into a younger generation? into a Joshua generation where miracle signs and wonders are the new normal. And they, uh, they, they knew, know this, and they know family. That's what the Lord spoke to me. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit just hit me in the hall, and I was like, yes, I'm not going to hold on to a manifestation. I've got you. Well, just after that feather fell, when a lady across the room saw it, and she was like, she came across the room, and she said, I saw that feather. I saw that feather fall on you. The Lord's highlighting you. And she goes, you're a Joshua. And uh, you're called to lead a Joshua generation. She just starts prophesying about the leadership call on our lives and how we're called to lead. And, and then she starts prophesying about uh, hundreds of youth. And, and it was just it was coming, coming into the church family. And so I, we were just blown away. So here I am standing here. This, just got, got this feather, got done being prophesied. We're called to lead a Joshua generation. There's this little boy named Joshua. I'm Joshua. And we have a miracle right here. You know, it's like, wow, God, you're cool. This is fun. So then after that, um, I made a little video to remember it and just to remember the moment. And then I went over to the little boy, Joshua, and I was like, hey, Joshua, the Lord told me to give this to you. You're called to lead a Joshua 
you're called to be a Joshua and lead a Joshua generation of miracle signs and wonders and, and relationships. And he's like, yeah, thank you. Thanks for the feather. And his mom's like, thank you. And I'm like, yeah, you're welcome. She's like, he has a collection of these feathers. Because the word over his life, he's called to lead a Joshua, a Joshua generation. And in that moment, I was just like, done. I was like, okay, Lord, I get the point. And, but one of the things that sealed this sign was what the lady said at the very end when we got the feather. She said, she didn't know anything about it. She goes, the Lord also wants you to know it's time to gather your tribe. It's time to gather your tribe. And she has no clue who we are. And so here we are, and we're, we're uh, uh, as the leadership now is currently praying about that word. What does that mean, God? What does it mean to gather our tribe? Like, wh- we want to do this. But in order to start, I think, getting answers on this, the Lord wanted us to start taking seriously, going back and reviewing these words and, and see, seeing ourselves, how God sees us, and knowing who he's called us to be and what we're called to do. It's really super important that we live from the mind of Christ and the heavenly vision that he's given to us because that's the only way then you explain the practical decisions you make on earth. See, if we're just going to have a few house churches and meet once a month and, and we don't really have a call to the city, there's no reason we would need this property of this building. See, this makes no sense. This commitment to finances and time makes no sense if we're just called to, to do a couple of house churches and, you know, and be a little neighborhood church. But if we're called to be an apostolic people that change the understanding of and expression of Christendom in this generation, and we're called to be an apostolic hub, much like Bethel in Reading, then it makes all the sense in the world to begin to pray for a place to get out of the weather and to begin to host transformative events and experiences that lead a generation into their destiny. It may, that makes sense then to get decent stalls and long term of tile and to upgrade the building so it could be a multi-purpose use building to have business meetings, luncheons in here, to have, to have marriage and family, you know, to, to, to begin to coach singles. I mean, it, it makes all the sense in the world to do that if, this, if that's the vision. But it makes literally no sense. And so everything looks irrational if you don't see the bigger picture. You look mental. And so and you look goofy. Or you look like you're just repeating religious history and building on buildings rather than through vision and destiny. So for the longest time, God said, focus on relationships, focus on. Then he said, no, now's the time begin to take ground, begin to initiate and set into motion the destiny of God. And when the Lord spoke to us that those clearly about that, that's when we began looking for and praying for the properties. And then everything, everything launches and goes into, we all then do what it takes to do what it mean, to, to get where we're at. That's what it means. It's okay, well then we need to get this place ready so then and then it doesn't matter. Some of us set toilets. Some of us build beams. Some of us pull off glass walls. And, and we just get in there and get dirty and do it. Because that's our life. That's our life. Everything fits under that agenda. 
Well, I, I just feel like it would be important for Mono to take a moment and confirm, speak into this, this thing about divine order, and, and come on up, Mono, and just share from your heart. And as you well know, this video is going to be very important for the whole tribe because gathering the tribe is a big deal. I have plenty of time until 7.30. That's why I made my message here. <coughs> no, um, so I tried to summarize a few thoughts that I thought would be important for uh, everybody here because I, I think the rallying of the tribe, it's not so much uh, to call a solemn assembly and that we all fast and pray for 40 days. I think it's, uh, it's a gathering of heart priorities because sometimes we are part of something, but we don't really know what the priorities are. And uh, this is Rock Tribe, just so you know, even though it's in Laramie, we, we have like branches everywhere. And uh, it's an apostolic mandate, which is from God. God is, Jesus is doing one thing on the earth right now. It may have different streams, and it may look differently from the perspective that you're looking uh, from, but Jesus is doing one thing, and it is an apostolic mandate. And, I mean, this, uh, this is like a series of message. Like, what does that mean to be an apostolic mandate to, you know, the, f the heart of the fathers, to father nations, to baptize nations? What is that? We're, we're not even going to go there. But I, I feel it's very important for us in that um, to rally the tribe means we need to align our heart's priority with God's priority what he's doing. And so it's not the secondary that takes over, but when we rally, we, we make a trumpet call, we announce something, and then the, the heart aligns. That's what it means. So that's the big story, and I park my local story under a bigger story. Um, so <clears throat> I, I thought it was very interesting this morning, like... Uh, very similar words um, from Laura, like the takeover, the losing control, the pregnancy of Amy. God bless your heart. <laughs> the takeover, the takeover, um, because it is, we, there, there's a, this word in uh, 2 Corinthians 3 that says, when the heart of man moves towards God, then the veil is removed. And that's something that the Lord had given us even before we, we were talking about uh, becoming the house of prayer, not just being a house with prayer. And that word means we all think that if the veil is removed, you know, if there's a veil in front of your eyes, and if the veil is removed, then your heart will follow. Oh, now I get it. Scripture tells us the opposite. When your heart surrenders, when you turn to God, when you hear the rallying cry, what does it mean to be an apostolic people? When your heart is taken over, when you surrender, then revelation comes. Then the veil is removed. Then you can walk into uh, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. But it's not the veil is removed. And then you get to know. And so the rallying is a rallying of the heart, where actually 
what we're, what we're doing is your heart's movement needs to surrender. You need to yield. You need to actually be taken over by what God is doing on the earth. When that happens, then the veil is removed, and we can walk in signs and wonders and everything that, that God has. That is part of the rallying cry. And, and I, I know some of you are new, and why would you park yourself under an apostolic house or under an, an apostle, and a prophet, which are father figures? Why would, you, why would you do that? Well, sometimes, God, you, have, you don't have the language, but you have the same call. And somebody else has already the language. And you're just like, oh, I knew that. That's exactly what I thought. I just didn't know how to put it. And they've been working at it for 30, 40 years. And so you get the benefits of free inheritance. This is not sowing and reaping. You get today for free what we worked for 40 years for. Uh, that's, that's how you would want to park, even though God did not manifest at the, be- at, at the end of your bed and call you to change. He has moved your If you're in this room and if you're watching this, I believe that God has called you. And he has the exact same invitation. So the, the bit that I wanted to share was about what does that mean to be invited? Because Jesus is doing one thing on the earth. He's bringing the kingdom. He's really reestablishing the ecclesia. This is another series that we need to do. What does it mean to baptize nation? What does it mean to be the ecclesia, the ruling government of God on the earth? And so we, we showed a whole bunch of prophecies and prophetic words, right? So we, we normally define prophecies as uh, the words that come of God's mouth, right? They, God speaks, and those are prophetic utterances, prophetic promises. And so let, let me um, challenge you a little bit because they're, they're, they're great prophecies, right? It's, it's awesome. God, what he has spoken over Rock Tribe and over what he's doing on the earth, we're one of thousands and thousands. You understand that. But we're just a family little family of families. And what normally when we see promises, we put it in a category that God speaks to us because he is sealing our future. As in a seal, you know, like this is established. This is where, where we're going together. I have a destiny over your life. This is where we're going. We put prophecy or prophetic utterance in that category, and I'm... I'm here to tell you, that's not the case. He's testing your heart. So, your response to the prophetic word determines if the invitation was really for you or if you've disqualified yourself. Like, when God invites us and the invitation comes, he comes first to us, so he invites us, like, I want you to be part of what I'm doing on the earth right now. So if you think about Peter being invited to go to the Gentiles in a, in a time where the church was mostly Jews and mostly centered around Jerusalem, and God comes to Peter, and I don't have time right now, but like real quick, basically in the end, 
Peter said when he goes to <laughs> where he's sent, he's like, I shouldn't even be here. <laughs> you know, I'm a Jew, and I'm kind of too good for you. <laughs> even though he's a fisherman, you know, like a few months, a few months prior to that, he was just a, well, whatever he was, like us. And so, but the invitation came to Peter, too. And this is, we're talking about the apostolic mandate of becoming a father to go to the Gentiles and to, because the, the, the whole, the great commission, which is a response to the great promise to Abram and Isaac and Jacob, uh, he, he said like, okay, to Jerusalem, to Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. So Jerusalem is not the end game, but the invitation came to Peter, right? And it's, it's like, wow. So to make a long story short, Peter is just like, that's eh, not really for me. And God says, God bless you, Peter. Paul, let's go. <laughs> the invitation, do you, do you understand? Like the invitation came and, and God's just like, I will bless you. Like whatever response you have, I, I want you to be part of it. I want to invite you to be, to be in it. I want you to do it. And I will love whatever you say, yes, I will bless you. You say, no, I will bless you. But there's a thousand and one people who will say yes and not bat an eye. They will not complain about carrying the apostolic mandate that I have on the earth. And so the, the thing that I said about, about um, promises being a test, uh, think of Abram and God coming to, and he speaks to Abram like face to face, will I go and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah without telling my friend Abram? No, I'm not going to do that. Let me talk to him. So God's utterance, those are prophetic words. Abram's response is a father's response. Mercy. Far be it from you. This is what he says. Far be it from you to judge the unrighteous and the righteous together. And then, he, you know, he bargains 50, 40, 30, blah, 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 until the lowest common denominator for a government, which is 10, in the city is found, and it's just like, no, I can't even find 10. But God says, I have found me a father of nations. So his name is changed. Be become, before he was Abram, and this is the invitation of an apostolic tribe. It's a name change and also a a role change or an identity change. Abram means exalted father. It doesn't mean like he's cocky. It means he's a good steward of what was his. He's an exalted father because he did really good with what was his. So he's an exalted father. He was a good steward with what he was given. And he changed him to Abraham, which is father of nations. That's the apostolic call. That's the great commission to father nations. We say disciple nations. We say that in the same Matthew 28, it's baptized. It is father nations. And the same thing happened to Moses 
where God wants to wipe out this stiff-necked people. Like, I am done with them, Moses. I'm going to start all over with you. Let's start brand new with you. Moses, uh, Moses turned to God and says, like, no, far be it from you to do that. Have mercy. This is your people. You took them out of Egypt. And so, again, the heart of the Father is turned to God. So the, the word wasn't, yeah, you know, it's, I've already been at the end of time, and I've seen what I've already done. So let me speak it to you so that you just know. This is not the role of prophecy. So think of those prophecies. That's not the role of them. Because God did that to Moses, for example, and he just announces something. And he says, okay, what are you going to do with this? That's the key of the prophetic invitation that you have heard. It is testing your heart. Your response, like that of Moses, are you a father or are you just going to be a blessing person? Are you going to father nations? Your heart's response determines how you have heard the invitation. So yes, God uses skin. He uses people as a means of grace. It's another whole topic. Why do we want to park under people and their primary gifting, like Tim as an apostle? You know, why would we want to do that? That's, it's called means of grace. It's, there is a trickle effect as in the culture of honor, if you position your heart, as in if you receive someone, as God has sent them, then you get the same reward. That is, if, if Tim is just Tim, then he has nothing for you. And, and keep going. Let's, let's do this neighborhood church. It'll be a blessing to the city. If Tim is Apostle Tim, that means he's a sent one, as and a father that is of families, then if you received him as God sent him, you receive the same reward, which is an apostolic anointing, authority. Things open up for you. I'm being long, aren't I? I see people are starting to breathe. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, it's the, the summoning. The summoning, I think, is, first of all, you need to know who we are. Uh, so you're not caught off guard. And if you haven't done your homework on knowing where we come from and what we've been called to, what our stream has been, then do your homework. And it's, it is key, it is key that you align your heart and the priority of your life with what the family is all about. If you'll do that, if you don't do that, you will be frustrated with us. You will. 
Knowing each other by the Spirit, by, by the Spirit, it means we embrace who we are in the Spirit without being offended at who we are not. And there's a million things that we are not. But there are things that we are. Knowing each other by the Spirit and to fit in, to belong to the family, you need to embrace us for who we are without being offended at who we are not. Uh, and that's, that's key for, like, summoning the tribe because it is, it is a heart realignment, I think. Because there's a lot of things that have taken priority in the day-to-day because our perspective is more local than it is the disciple nations if we are not visionaries. Like, I wake up with stuff like that, <laughs> but not everybody is. <laughs> you do too. And so we, what we are saying, I think, this is my opinion, not the opinion of our sponsors, so I don't know. But I really feel this is, <laughs> it is key that we take inventory of the priorities of how we are pursuing what God is doing. If this is G- what Jesus is doing, that's what we want to hang on to. We want to capture what he is doing. Forget everything he's not doing, lest you be offended at him. That's Jesus' response to John the Baptist. So only focus on what Jesus is doing. Don't look at what he's not doing, or you will be offended. But if this is what Jesus is doing, we really want to latch on to it and align our priority. That means our time, our energy, our whatever we have, our money, our families, our to this type of there's a big family, and there's one thing Jesus is doing on the earth. He's bringing the kingdom, and he's transforming this world. That's, and he's doing it a certain way, his way, his Jesus way, his kingdom way, uh, through a legal assembly of legal citizens called ecclesia. So that's my bit unrefined that's pretty awesome and i i think that's going to take a little time for us we're going to publish this there's been a lot of content out there for you to kind of rethink through what's being communicated there's as mana was saying there's there's about a series of 15 major teachings out of the word to reinforce what's being communicated today that involves the re- re- recovering of biblical government, the fivefold ministry gifts, and then how you fit, how we fit together as a body to bring the kingdom. But you're fitting together, we're us fitting together, being knit together like living stones, or the other allegory is the body of Christ. We are called to be an apostolic tribe that disciples the nations. And so that, the way you build an apostolic tribe is different than the way you build a local neighborhood church. Okay? So the, that's, that's why the sequence is a little different. Uh, and that's why it doesn't make sense to people sometimes when they're used to building a local church differently. 
And why do we go to such great lengths to do twos and threes and micro churches and inner healing? All of every piece of this fits together. All five strategies fit together in what God's doing in the larger scheme of things. That explains why even All Nations College, why would we ever consider starting an accredited college because we are called to be an apostolic people that equips people to go to the marketplace, that goes to the nations, and to give them an accredited degree and a four-year experience in the context of family is an apostolic way of thinking. All right, that's an example. Well, we've, we've, we've laid out a lot here today, and I trust that you're sensing the Lord. I'd like to have a stand together and form a circle, and some of you, as we've been talking, have been getting hit by the Holy Spirit, i.e. Letha and Kim and others, and we feel like it would be really good for those of the, that are really being impregnated. That's kind of what's going on. You're being impregnated. There's being a takeover that's occurring. It's very, very exciting. If you've never been taken over by the Spirit of God and the purpose of God, you want to ask the Lord to do that with you and for you. Um, those of you who are pregnant, you know what it's like to be taken over. Your life is never the same when you're impregnated. Would you say that's true, Emily? <laughs> Such enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah, I love the answer. So, Letha, would you come and stand next to me? And uh, you can't stand up? Okay. I'll come to you then. And Kim, you too. Um, I'll give you any, one context of difference that Mana was referring to. In a traditional church setting, you align around a program. You know, or the services that church offers. So you look at the programs, you shop for the church, you find the right programs. How's their kids' ministry? How's their youth ministry? Hey, do they teach the word? How do they do this? And then you shop and then you buy that particular social program or church program. And, but in a, where God's going in the church, He's shifting it radically. It's completely different. You find your spiritual dads and moms. You find your family. You find your people. And those people, you, he connects you in organically like you're the finger connected to the hand. You're the hand connected to the arm. Those are your people. They become your people. It's not a program. And then in those people, together you do those ministries. But it's very different uh, in terms of how you connect. So, anyway, is she in a position she to... She can't do it, but she's going to rip off it. <laughs> what she's saying is um, the, the Spirit's moving on her, and it's like an IV right in her heart, and she is receiving all of this potential that God has laid out before us, and she's receiving it right into her heart. It's just a divine move of the Holy Spirit. All these words are directly from the Father. It is such a great anointing of His body. Right now, He wants you all to receive this direct 
heart transfusion of these words. Be Mary. Please be Mary. Yeah, that's pretty powerful. So I'm going to pray for you. And then, oh, no, hold on. Just a second. Father, in Je- yeah, I'm going to have Kim. Father, in Jesus' name right now, we know we're being encountered by you. We know we're having a holy moment in the kingdom. And we welcome this impregnation of your spirit. It involves having the person of Jesus as our King and Lord and totally yielding before Jesus. It means you, Jesus, taking over and being our Lord and King. It means coming into our family, finding our people, connecting at a heart level with our people that they don't just become dispensable. We don't just go from program to program and church to church based upon programs and events. And when we get offended, we work those things out with our family. We don't just get irritated and keep going and walk on. And we find our purpose together for the nations. It's very different. So, Lord, we ask for you to come right now, those watching across the world. We pray that you would find Jesus like this in the kingdom, that you would find your people, fivefold ministry leadership in a tribe, We're not suggesting that it has to be the Rock Tribe at all. We just simply want to be a prototype for many other tribes. And we want to see cities transformed, literally transformed, in Jesus' name. Kim, why don't you just pray? The Lord has been on me with intercession for us the entire time. And it just keeps growing and growing and growing. He's working at so many levels in us right now. He's working in us, in each one of you, and us as individuals, working on us. He is working on us as in, in our natural families right now. He's working in us in a corporate family right now. And um, the one of the words, and then you brought it up today, Josh really emphasized it, was the blowing on the coals. Last night, we chose to have a fire pit in our yard, and the wood was damp because of all of the, the snow that was going on. And we put it on there, and we, we put some fuel on that fire, and then we had to keep blowing on the coals. And we'd see it just burst into flame, and I just felt, and I had the Lord had me blowing, and, he j- and he's blowing on the coals today. And I, um, as I was praying, um, the different things were coming because I'm praying for myself, praying for family members, praying for all of us. Jesus was talking about the sorting, like when he said that Satan was gonna, had, had, had sifting, that, that he had asked for permission to sift, and, and Peter was going to be sifted, that there's sifting going on in us. There's things that are being sifted, and God is raising up things inside of our hearts, allowing things that are resisting him to come to the surface, and we're to allow that to happen. He wants you to allow that stuff to come up and face it and work with it and let him mold your heart help him work with you to receive what he wants to give you 
And I've been crying out, Lord, let us be found worthy. Let us be found worthy of this vision that you're calling us to, worthy to work with you in the kingdom. So, Father, I ask you, help us to stop resisting the Holy Spirit. Let it come in, blow on the embers of our heart and cause those embers to burst into flame for passion to rise up that we would catch this and move with it daily every day seeking your heart every day yielding to you yielding to your heart yielding to the call yielding to your love just yield help us yield we love you we love you we need you our world needs you our families need you. Our souls need you. Our hearts need you. We need to change. We need to become what you've called us to become. We've got to rise up. So I ask you, God, help us rise up. Jesus, we bless you. Jesus, we bless you. Jesus, we bless you. Jesus. Let's just right now, um, just with one voice, just you just say it out loud before the Lord. If if this is in your heart, just just as Mary's response was, let it be unto me as you have said. Just right now before the Lord, just uh, let it. Just just tell him. Just tell the Holy Spirit. Just, just and just keep telling him. It's okay to a few times. God hears you the first time, but it's okay to. When you're, when you're in love, you just can't stop saying, I love you. Just let the Lord, just begin to just tell, just express your heart to the Let it be unto me as you have said, Lord. Let it be unto me as you have said. Let it be unto me as you have said, Lord. Now, if you're feeling anything, it's awesome. Just stay with the Lord. If you're not, that's Okay. There, there, is a, there is a spirit of impartation here. There's angels in this room. The Holy Spirit is moving powerfully in this room. And if you're feeling something great, if not, that's okay. And we're going to just pray, I'm going to just pray one more prayer, and then we're going to just move into a time of just individual prayer for one another, and then we'll, we'll go eat. But Lord, right now, we just say, again, as, as Mary responded, let it be unto your bond slave, as you have said. Lord, we just say yes. We say yes. I thank you that all you need, all you want is just a yes with our hearts. A yes. And you take care of everything else. I thank you that you make the weak strong. You turn darkness into light. You turn immaturity into maturity and, and fathering and mothering. That, that you take us from uh, uh, just this small little neighborhood to nations. That, that you take our little lunchbox and you multiply it, and you use it, and feed the multitudes, because you're amazing, you're great, we declare you're amazing, you're great, and we thank you for the great grace that is on us, as it was in Acts, uh, Acts 3, that there was great grace on the believers, we thank you for the great grace that is here, we thank you for the great grace that is on us, and we just say yes to your grace, yes 
to your grace. Yes to your grace. We say yes to your grace. We say yes to your grace. We say yes. Lord, we want to carry that from, Jude- from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. We say yes to your great grace. Yes to your great grace. We trust you. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. We say yes in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen. Amen, amen. There's, there's one more thing. I, I really need to uh, do a little impartation because I, I really feel this is important. Uh, to the two extremes of generations, the, su- the young and, and the, and the uh, not so young, the old. And um, there's this, no, there's this, what, Janet? Oh, the young. <laughs> no, your young man will see visions, and your old man will dream dreams. Those are not dreams of the night. They're dreams of the heart. Just so you know, like every old person dreams dreams at night. But what he's talking about is the hopeless young generation that has no purpose. In God's purpose, he is breathing on you visions. And so I just want to break the hopelessness of the young. The, there's no impact, and I make no difference in the world. Why even live? I just rebuke the spirit of, of despair, hopelessness, even suicide. The young men, they will see visions, They're, and they come from the Spirit of God. And the old men, they will dream dreams, dreams of the heart. This is like a new beginning in God for, for a lot of you. So if you, hear, if you hear my word, just take it from the Lord. Like you are going to dream big, dream dreams with God as if you were young and building your whole life on it. So I release that in Jesus' name. Amen.